AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Grain and livestock futures closed lower on Wednesday in a risk-off, commodity-wide sell-off. Now, South America was a focus for the markets today, but not just because of the weather. And the Fed pauses, but now what? Live from Wednesday the 13th, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Varsity Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. Then it's Brad Koima from Koima Koima Varlick. And directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. And now, filling in for Chip Flory, Michelle Rook. Hey, thanks so much, Davis. Hey, hey. A lot of red on the board here today. It was pretty ugly. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. And like I talk, <laughs> I mean, we made it like a half an hour in the green with the cattle complex. I was talking with Brian Grady this morning. I thought I thought we were going to claw back, and then by the time we got to 10.30 Central Time, that's all she wrote. Yeah, and I know he said three up days doesn't necessarily mean the bottom's in, so we'll see. Right. Um, but today, like we said, commodity white sell-off day, sometimes that doesn't make a market, you know, so we'll yeah, see what we got, happens. Crude came back a little bit, but still, I mean, you got to go clear out to the April 24 to find a $70 handle. Uh, the the front month of January contract at sixty nine forty three up eighty two cents today uh, after falling sharply in recent sessions. Yeah, and a lot of eyes on the Fed decision today, and yep. of course they took a pause. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up here, and then what's next? So, yeah, who knows what's next? There were now a lot of people have been talking about. Oh, well, maybe we get to March. Was it March or May? I can never remember. One of the M months of twenty four, and we might begin to see some rate cuts. At well, we point. got the dot plot out today, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today <laughs> with uh, Joe Vaklovic. We'll maybe poke Bubba a little bit on that one as I was well coming say, up here. Mention the dot plot to Bubba and see what happens, yeah. and then just sort All of right. step away and let him go. <laughs> All right. Well, give us the recap today, Davis. Absolutely. Well, after moving higher yesterday, wheat futures turned to the downside in today's trade. France's agriculture ministry increased its forecast for 23-24 wheat exports outside the EU by 100,000 metric tons. That's now with 10.2 million metric tons. That would be uh, four-tenths of a point above last year. Here at home, March SRW futures closed below support at 6.07 and a quarter today. Next support lies at six bucks and three quarters. March HRW wheat futures skidded 24 and three quarters lower today to 6.32. March SRW wheat dropped 20 and one quarter cents to 605 and a quarter. March spring wheat closed at 713 and one half. That's down 16 today, Michelle. Yeah, I got caught up in the commodity wide sell off. And some of that was due to what happened with the economic shakeup in Argentina. We're going to talk about that with Joe coming up here as well. Well, corn futures once again followed wheat futures, this time to the downside. Technical selling also pressured corn futures. Recent reports suggest the Treasury Department is preparing to provide details on how to qualify for sustainable aviation fuel credits under the Inflation Reduction Act. Weekly ethanol production declined to 2,000 barrels per day during the weekend of December 8 to 1.074 million barrels per day, but that was up 1.2% from the same week last year. 
Meanwhile, ethanol stocks rose 661,000 barrels to 22.1 million barrels. On the day, March corn futures five and three quarters lower, 4.79 and one half. May corn slumped four and three quarters cents to 4.92 and a half. July corn futures closed at 5.01 and three quarters, down four and one half cents today. These uh, the ERINs for sustainable aviation fuel credits is. I think this is going to be a huge topic. And yet, the word is we don't really expect to have anything final or even close to it by spring. Is that what you're hearing as right. well? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing. We'll see if uh, Senator Grassley can give us a little more insight tomorrow when he's on with us. Well, the bottom fell out of the soy products market today with soybean meal skidding sharply lower. Soybean oil was pressured in part by WTI crude oil's move below $70. World Weather Inc. reports Brazil's dry weather pattern into this weekend will give way to an important increase in showers and thunderstorms next Monday through December 27. The improved South American weather forecast added pressure to futures today. January soybeans 16 and one quarter cents lower, 1307 and one half. March beans down 16 and one half to 1326 and one quarter. May beans closed at 1340 and one quarter. That's down 15 and three quarters today, Michelle. Yeah. And again, I think the meal market really keyed in on that Argentina news here. And so that kind of pulled down the complex. But we had a lot of other things. Um, like I said, that money flow going against us today as well yep well march cotton gained 13 points to 81.18 a palindrome on the livestock side it was a genuine rodeo in the cattle market with futures opening lower firming through late morning before uncertainty in the cash market forced a moderately lower close february fat cattle down a buck 37 and a half to 167.22 and a half the April contract was down a dollar forty-five to one seventy ninety-five. January feeder futures softened a buck eighty-seven and one half to two seventeen thirty-seven and one half. And on the snout side, February lean hogs extended to the lowest intraday level since November twenty-eight amid persisting weakness in the cash index and a sharp drop in wholesale values. February hogs today down one fifty-two and one half to sixty-six seventy-two and a half. And April hogs dropped a buck ten to close at seventy four thirty seven and one half. Talk about searching for a bottom. February hogs at sixty six seventy two and a half. Michelle. Yeah, I know we're back you know? close to the contract lows. We can't get the index to quit going down, and so that cash market needs to firm up here. And I'm rooting for the cattle. Let's hope we can firm up there soon as well. Indeed. Well, like I said, a down day here today, and uh, we want to bring in. Um, our friend Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. A risk-off day today in ag markets, but I know you were watching the Fed announcement, decided not to raise rates. That wasn't necessarily a, I guess, a surprise here. What did the dot plot data, t- dot plot data tell us? Hi, Michelle. Yeah, listen, really, the markets are just they're trading off interest rates, and the Fed says they're not going to hike uh, this meeting, obviously, and uh, there's talk that there may be three cuts next year, which is propelling the equity markets, which is taking money away from the ag markets. Uh, as we, but we are really in the slowest period of the year, and and virtually for traders, the market of the year is over on Friday. So I don't expect a lot of action. I, I think that grains have just searched to find a bottom. I think that cattle is still going a lot lower, and I think that hogs will find a bottom here very shortly. Do you think that maybe the, I guess, the pause and the idea now that we're going to see rates cut, is that going to bring any money, investment money, spec money back into the commodity sector? 
No, I think it, 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 with 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 the rate cut potential that will keep money flowing into equities because that's where they want to they want to put their money because that's where they feel they can get the fastest return. Typically, the money will flow to commodities when equities are in trouble and when they think that there's a problem, so they'll take their money out of equities and move them to the agricultural markets or commodities. Right now, you're seeing pretty much across the board from oil to everything else is really just kind of selling off here. But it is extremely slow. We have a very weak economy, despite what the government reports sell us. And of course, if you look at your own spending, many of us are probably in an independent recession. Do you think the equities and the indices make new record highs in 24? Uh, I do not. But uh, I think the Dow made a new record high today. Uh, so they could push up a little bit higher, but I think we're going to have a day of reckoning. This is the, we'll call the Santa Claus rally. Very thin markets, uh, money just uh, pushing in at the end of the year here. And okay. I think that we'll see that 24 could create some grief. Thanks so much, Todd. Bubba Horwitz Thanks joining us job. from Bubba Trading. And up next, we'll talk about the Fed action and the meltdown in the commodity sector with Joe Vaklovic with Standard Grain. That's coming up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for the vacationing Chip Flory today. It is a pleasure for us to have Joe Vaklebeck back with us from Standard Grain. And uh, Joe, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. I know you have to get up in the middle of the night to do your broadcast. So we really do appreciate your time. I haven't been on in a long time. I can't tell you the last time I was on AgriTalk, but uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I'm so glad to have you. Well, let's talk first of all about the Fed rate uh, today. They kept uh, the rate, took a pause here. I think we all kind of expected that they were going to do that. But now looking forward, what do you see for 24 and what did the dot plot map actually show us in terms of what cuts we might be able to see? So I don't look at the dot plots. The dot plot is, um, I mean, I, I look at it, but I, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it. The dot plot is like what what Fed members believe the rates will be. I think that the uh, interest rate markets themselves are a lot more important. Uh, go to Google and type in CME Fed tool. And the CME, uh, they essentially take the interest rate markets and they'll tell you what the odds are of a rate cut and what the rate cut could be. Uh, as it stands, Right this very moment, there's a 70% chance that they're going to cut in March and that you'll see um, uh, an effective Fed fund rate that is, that is at least a quarter lower than it is now. And then when you jump to May, 
it's like a 95% chance that you're going to be lower than you are today. And there's um, even a chance that you're like sharply lower, like two or three cuts in already. So this is uh, pretty incredible stuff. The, the stock market loves this. New all-time highs in the Dow. The S&P is less than 3% from all-time highs. Uh, the bonds are ripping, which means yields are down sharply. The U.S. dollars down sharply. So um, I think, you know, for the crowd listening here, uh, we mentioned this before we started, there's a lot of money borrowed. Uh, if you combined all the money that you guys borrow, throw it into a basket. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars, you know? So even if you can get uh, operating lines down, say 1% next year, I mean, that would be that would be something. Yeah, no doubt. And what did the higher interest rates here mean for those that are storing grain this year? Was it a deterrent for anybody? Because it's a lot more expensive to store grain this year. Well, I'm not going to say it. That I'm not going to say that it deterred people, but it it should have deterred people because you've got so you've got you know a lot of farmers have storage. You've got a lot of carry in the market, but even if you're able to capture that carry, depending on your interest rate situation, it still may not be enough to float the interest. Um, I've done a, a lot of work. Uh, with spreadsheets and and things that will kind of try to spit out, you know, does it make sense to store or not? And in a lot of cases, even with all this carry, it doesn't make sense to store because the uh, interest rates just eat you alive. So this is a situation that, you know, up until the last what year and a half, I mean, farmers haven't had to really deal with for 15 years. We, we've had really low interest rates, which are a luxury. And, and, it, and it's now that we find out how much of a luxury that was. Yeah. And of course, as far as storage, you know, we heard at Harvest that a lot of producers sold beans and maybe stored corn, hoping for a rally here. But with the interest rates and the lower corn prices, you know, when do you think that that's going to come to market? Is it going to change the marketing pattern here this year of when we normally see farmers sell? Because usually they do it right after the first of the year because they need to income average and for tax purposes. Well, <clears throat> I think that a lot of it, there's a lot of factors at play here, but for for a lot of farmers, I'm not going to say for everybody because everybody's financial situation is different. There still may be some black ink on your 2023 soybean uh, balance sheet, whereas in corn, you know, with March futures at 479 and, and considering a normal basis, especially if you're out east where basis is very bad, you may very well be below the cost of production. A lot of farmers are. So they don't want to sell corn. They'd probably rather sell soybeans because maybe there's some profit to be had there. Um, so now you take the next step forward. So what do we do about this corn situation? I think I think the farmers undersold, unfortunately, and a lot of that ties back to um, what happened over the summer. We had a serious drought in June and the, the rains that fell in July were timely enough to uh, salvage the crop and, and turn it into something decent. It was actually a record crop by bushels, not a record yield nationally, according to USDA, at least I know a lot of people have issues with that, but, um, farmer was caught off sides a little bit and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you just didn't, you never got the chance to sell seven or $8 corn like you did the last two or three years. So, um, it's a tricky situation. Yeah. So now what are you telling producers about their marketing plans? Well, um, by now I would say most people know where they stand at least in terms of like, what does it take to break even? Uh, what does it look like if I take my forward sales and combine them with, uh, you know, what happens if I sell today or what happens if I sell 20 cents or 25 cents above the market? Um, the last time we had a rally in the corn market, it didn't last real long. We had that one little rip back in October where Dee's corn got up to like 507, something in that neighborhood. Uh, my advice would be that 
you know, you you take your forward sales, you you take uh, some some potential like target orders in the cash market and kind of pair them together and see what it spits out for you in terms of an average. Marketing's all about your average, so you, you may be forced to you may be forced to sell something at, at a price that you don't necessarily like. But if it works out with uh, hopefully some of the stuff you did earlier, then uh, that that may be the game that you have to play. Yeah. So, what would it take to get us back over five dollars on corn here on a cash basis? I mean, is it going to take a major problem with the second crop safrina corn in Brazil, China coming to the market? I mean, it's really hard to fight a two point one billion carryout, isn't it? I don't know. I've I see what's going on here, and I've seen this before. I mean, you've got this big carryout projection, and everybody's bearish, and there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. But you know, just just like the markets peak when the news is the most bullish, the markets bottom when the markets when the news is the most bearish. And I'm not saying we're near a bottom here; we're close to it. But I have trouble being like really negative the corn market this uh, at, at this very moment. Um, you've got Brazilian weather risk. I mean, without a doubt, uh, it's dry in Brazil, and uh, we haven't got into that second growing season. So the two things that you mentioned, like a Brazilian weather issue or demand, those two things are probably uh, they're 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 tied together. Uh, they would happen in tandem. Uh, we saw last year, uh, China came in and bought a US, bunch of US corn earlier in the year. And it was kind of, in in hindsight, it was like an, it was like a hedge against the Brazilian crop. And then once they figured out Brazil had a crop, they canceled it. Could you see something like that this year? Sure you could. And, and that might be a great marketing opportunity because the same thing could happen. Let me also pull in the idea or at least the concept that we have the funds really short in this corn market. And of course, they were long before we started getting the announcement that the Fed was going to start raising rates. And then they bailed. You know, if we start to see rate cuts, will it bring fund and investment money back into the ag markets? Is it likely we could get funds maybe to move positions on that? No, I don't I don't think so. Um, I, I think, I mean, first of all, there's a ton of carry in the market. There's more carry in the corn market than we've seen in years. So it's sure. it's it's much easier for the fund trader to be short than it is to be long. It's a built-in advantage. When they rolled out of the December contract, they got to buy back December futures and then sell March at a higher price. And the same thing will happen uh, most likely when they roll out of March and into May or July. I mean, a carry is, is just a built-in advantage for them from month to month. So something's got to really change for uh, the large money manager to say, you know what, I'm going to throw in the towel on my on my short position here, because there's, there's a lot working in their uh, favor right now. Yeah. So from an economic standpoint, you know, what do you see otherwise is, you know, the fed said that they wanted to give us a soft landing. Do you think that we have had a soft landing now? Uh, there's never going to be a landing and there never was going to be a landing. It was just a, it was a narrative. Um, but I don't know. I am not, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist when it comes to the economy. I know there's inflation. I get it. But uh, at the same time, unemployment is sub 4%. Uh, inflation is, is. I mean, to, to be clear about inflation, the prices at the grocery store are never going back to where they were in 2019. It's just, it ain't going to happen. That's not how this works. But th they're in the process of of leveling off. Um, some, a lot of the, the statistics and granted, these are government statistics. I know people say, oh, the government statistics are fake. Uh, wages have largely been able to kept, keep up with inflation. And, the, and I also will say this, the farm economy is not 
the the urban economy where they track a lot of this stuff. So it's different. I mean, the farm economy right now is is much much different than the uh, the economy that people talk about on the news. But I'm I'm fairly optimistic here. Um, and and big picture, I mean, I'm I don't trade stocks, but I'm an investor in the equity markets. And big picture, it always pays to buy and hold. You don't want to be a doomsday or over the course of months or years or decades. What about globally? Are you as optimistic? You know, we hear so much about China's economy falling apart right now and that sort of thing. And that contagion always goes over into our markets. Um, it does sometimes. But I mean, I feel like there's a new headline regarding how bad the Chinese economy is every other day. And has it hurt our stock market? I don't think so. Has it hurt our economy? I mean, I don't think so. Maybe there's been some inflationary stuff as a result of that. When you go back to post-COVID, I mean, supply chain stuff, absolutely. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's something that the that the uh, doomsdayers out there like to tout. I just, I haven't seen it have an impact. They're still importing corn. They're still importing soybeans. I mean, that's what matters to our crowd, I guess. No doubt. Uh, speaking of economic situations, let's uh, talk just a little bit about Argentina when we come back, because Joe, it did have a big impact on the market today, didn't it? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. All right. Joe Vaklovic is going to be back with us. We're going to talk about the economic shakedown in Argentina and what it meant for the commodity sector here today. We'll have that coming up on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March HRW wheat futures skidded 24 and three quarters lower to 632. March SRW wheat dropped 20 and one quarter to 605 and one quarter. March corn futures were five and three quarters lower, 479 and one half. May corn slumped four and three quarter cents to 492 and one half. January soybean futures 16 and one quarter cents lower 1307 and one half. March beans slipped 16 and one half to 1326 and one quarter. Hey, March cotton gained 13 points 81.18. On your livestock's February fat cattle down a buck 37 and a half to 167.22 and one half. Jan feeders off one dollar 87 and one half to 217.37 and one half. February lean hog futures off a buck 52 and a half to 66.72 and one half. Go to tryprofarmer.com for more. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. 
I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory. Well, we had commodity-wide selling today in the ag markets, and uh, here to visit a little bit more about that is Joe Vaklovic with Standard Grain. And Joe, you know, how much of this was tied to the economic shape down in Argentina and the devaluation of the peso? Um, I think that there was some selling associated with that. Uh, when I look at stories like this, the the first thing I, I ask myself is, does this add or subtract bushels from the balance sheets? And in this instance, right this very second, it does not. But that being said, managed money is fickle and uh, they'll chase the headline of the day. And I think that's what you saw today. But you know something, Argentina had a disaster of a soybean crop last year. They're running on fumes in terms of their, of their big crush industry. I mean, they just don't have the beans to crush. There was some news across the um, wires here just a few minutes ago, and they're talking about actually increasing taxes on corn and wheat exports, leaving soybean taxes um, alone. And then uh, the uh, the theme that we've seen tossed around is that when this economic emergency is over, they're going to cut all of the export taxes. So I think like if this experiment and what they're doing is an experiment, it's a highly risky experiment. If it works out, it could be a really good thing for agriculture in Argentina. There could be more production, um, especially I think wheat is uh, the crop that could see the biggest benefit here. Uh, but I I think this is good for a one or two day move. I don't think this is a trend changer. It's not anything that uh, is going to fix the the drought that was a disaster last year. Um, yeah, they're gonna have a more normal size crop coming and maybe big picture, it, it has some negative uh, implications, but this is probably just, you know, money managers just, just um, taking a little bit of length off the table in the soybean market today. So the increase in the export tax on corn and wheat goes from what, 12 to 15 percent? Is that right? 12 to 15. Soybeans are 33 percent and that's staying the same. And I, I believe I'm I'm not an expert on this, but I think they have a high soybean tax because they want to keep the beans home to crush uh, because since they're such a large processor. I think that's how this works. So I think it's probably more of a mentality thing than an actual supply and demand thing. This is going to be somewhat political, though, isn't it? Because President Millet, he campaigned on lowering export taxes, but he's got to get the government to go along with that, doesn't he, and pass legislation on it? Yeah, and my understanding is that he does not have a majority like in their version of like Congress or the House or whatever. So I, I think this is going to be this is not a, a one day and done uh, story. There's going to be more follow up stories probably for a while. Yeah. And you talk about wheat maybe being the biggest benefactor. And of course, there's stories floating around today that they're going to increase wheat production substantially. Do you think that is going to happen? I don't know. I, I think that I think that this plan, which again is a risky plan, I think the plan needs to needs to work out and, and help stabilize what they have going on there for for any of this to come to fruition. I mean, they had their inflation rate in Argentina was like 140% last year. I mean, you don't just fix that overnight with one policy change. They've got some they've got some serious serious issues that need to be resolved and and you hope for their sake that this is the the start of it, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah, do you think though it does make them much more competitive in the export market and does that hurt the US or are you not worried about it hurting us? Well, right now they have nothing to sell. I mean, on the export market sure. and sure when when they harvest what would appear to be what should be improved crops this year, could that hurt us a little bit? Yeah, um, Brazil's still the bigger deal though in terms of competition. Unless I'll you're speak. talking, unless you're talking product markets. If you're talking meal and, and bean oil, then maybe that's a different story. But I don't think that's what most of uh, most of the listeners are worried about here. 
No. Well, speaking of Brazil, let's talk about that because we've been trading these Brazilian weather forecasts back and forth. And of course, um, none of us really know how much damage has been done to the crop down there, but the forecasts kind of keep putting a little rain in the extended and then it keeps getting pushed back. What do you see in terms of crop size? These private estimates that have come in have lowered it pretty much, but where do you think we need to be? I think USDA and Conab are probably a little bit above what uh, the trade is trading. If I had to make a guess, what's priced into the market right now? It's 157, 158. That's probably what's priced into the market right now for the Brazilian soybean crop. The uh, <clears throat> government entities are in the low 160s. So I, I mean, that's still that's still a record crop, and you combine it with Argentina, it's a it's a record combined Argentina and Brazilian crop. So you've probably got a little bit of wiggle room to lose, you know, five million metric tons in Brazil and uh, still be just fine. The soybean market is. I mean, it's acting like a weather market to some extent um, on, on the day-to-day -day moves, but you pull it back and you look at the chart and we've been confined to like a, a dollar trading range, basically yeah, back and forth. 13 to 14. Yeah. So you're not seeing like the big, the big like spike blow off top type uh, type parabolic action that maybe you would see in a U.S. weather market. Like we saw, say, in the corn market in uh, this past June, like we're not seeing that yet. So it, it tells me that the market is not overly concerned or maybe it tells me that the large speculator just isn't interested in in owning um the soybean market in any real material fashion i know they're long but not not to a big degree so do you think after the first of the year if we see more damage would you have to get that crop down to what 145 before you could see beans take out 14 dollars on the top side that's a good question. I don't know if it has to be that low because we were, you know, we were above $14, I think in March futures, like not that it wasn't that long ago. So I think it could happen again, especially if you revert to a drier pattern in, um, you know, say last week of December into January. I know the forecast right now is mostly dry for another three, four days. And then some rains are supposed to come back in next week, but we all know any weather forecast out past four or five days is not reliable. So it, it can change quickly. What about the second crop corn? We hear a lot about less acres getting planted in Brazil. You know, is it too early for the corn market to get concerned about that? Well, it, it clearly is because the corn market is not concerned. But I, I think that there will be a point. I mean, there there very clearly will be a point where the corn market may become con concerned if the dryness continues. And um, if that happens, that's going to be it could result in in what I would call like a big time bailout for the corn grower here in the United States. We, we mentioned in the first segment that, you know, the corn grower in the U.S. I think is undersold relative to a normal year. And and there was a record crop that kind of came out of nowhere. And, and I think a lot of people had yields that were better than expected. If you do get that um, rally on Brazil weather and China comes in and buys some corn, my personal thought would be that it needs to be viewed as a marketing opportunity and not necessarily an opportunity to like get all bowled up again. Yeah. And how much more is China going to buy of of wheat? Are they done there? Are they going to buy corn? We keep hearing rumors of that. And how many more bushels of beans are they going to buy from us? Uh, Vilsack mentioned something like just a week or two ago that he thought China was going to be back in the market for U.S. corn. Um, the wheat purchases, I don't know. Yesterday, wheat was up 20 cents and I thought uh, maybe China's coming back. And then today it gave it all back. So I don't, uh, I don't know about wheat. I know that Generally speaking, like our HRW products, not competitive. I guess SRW, we've got kind of a niche market and uh, we're doing some Chinese business, but I'd love to see some more of it. I mean, I think that wheat is the one that actually, you know, you get the right stuff. It's it's such a thinly traded market compared to corn or, or soybeans. Wouldn't take a lot to rally wheat on short covering. 
Yeah, and the funds are they're not record short, but pretty close to it, right? Uh, I don't even know if they're close, but it's it's sizable. It's it's enough that a short covering event, if they decide they wanted to clear out of everything, it it would be the the rally would be substantial. All right. Is it too early to start talking to you about acreage ideas for 2024? I mean, are we going to sh- see a shift here, less corn, more beans, or not? Yeah, absolutely. I just don't know. I don't know to what degree. Um, I don't know. Ninety-one, eighty-seven. Pick, pick, pick your poison. I don't know. It's not. We're not going to plant ninety-five million acres of corn again uh, next year. I, I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong about that. But the, the budgets I've seen, they 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 still favor corn to in in a lot of places, but not to the degree that they did last year. So I I would I would agree with the idea that that we lose three, maybe four million acres of corn in the U.S. in in twenty twenty four. And and this is a a a moving target, of course. I mean, people are making decisions and changing decisions. Uh, but that, yeah, that would be my thought. I agree with that. What about soybeans? Do we get above this 83 and a half million acre figure we had this year or not? Oh yeah. You should be back to 86 or 87, I think. And is that enough for all of these crush facilities that are coming online? Well, there's a lot of talk about that and we're going to continue to process soybeans at a record pace. I mean, every month you're going to see NOPA out or USDA out and they're going to be record crush numbers. We got the capacity coming online. The problem is that we're not doing the export business. I mean, we've got the sales, the shipments um, are really subpar. Um, we're, we're switching. We're in the process and we know this. You guys have talked about it before, I'm sure. We're in the process of, of switching the demand base for soybeans. I mean, we're going to start leaning less on exports and leaning more on domestic processing. It's just like, do you get caught here in a couple of years where we haven't caught quite up on we haven't caught we haven't quite caught up on domestic processing, but the exports are falling off because Brazil keeps putting out these big crops. You could be caught with a couple of years where um, you know it's a burdensome situation, even though we're expanding. Yeah. What about exports overall here for the grains? Obviously, we still have problems shipping out of the Mississippi. Panama Canal's having issues because of drought. You know, can we shift some business to PNW or not? Yeah, but the PN so the PNW is a great market, and soybeans out of the PNW are are absolutely competitive, and that's probably where a lot of the, the shipments are going to take place. But um, the everything I've read has has indicated that this Panama Canal issue is going to persist well into the first quarter of 2024, and that this does not change soon. Uh, the grain grain shipments, corn, soybean, wheat shipments, they have very very low priority uh, on the canal. It's it's really the the bigger like energy products that um, <clears throat> seem to have priority. So. It's going to make things difficult because the Gulf, the Gulf's our bread and butter. That's where that's where we should be shipping most of this stuff out of. And the PNW is great, but you have limited capacity. Prices for corn and wheat right now are certainly very competitive, are they not? Uh, corn has been back and forth with Brazil. I, I think we are competitive, though. Uh, but again, like, so is is there the capacity of the PNW to do it? Um, out of the Gulf, it's, it gets really messy because the canal makes it more expensive and more timely uh, to ship, especially to Asian destinations. It was good to see Japan in for some corn uh, last week or two weeks ago. So uh, we, you'd love to see that canal issue fixed. It's, it's a big problem. Yeah, we got a lot of headwinds here, it seems like, in the green markets. Hopefully we can overcome them. Joe, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Uh, Joe Vaklovic with Standard Grain. We are going to talk about cattle markets as well. Coming up here with Brad Coima with Coima Coima Farlick. Stay tuned here to Acrotalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Tiff Flory today. And a cattle market lower today after three updates. And Brad Quima with Quima Quima Varlick is here to talk a little bit about this cattle market. Certainly frustrating that we couldn't extend these gains for a fourth day here and I guess confirm a bottom, Brad. I was a little disappointed in today as well, Michelle. Thanks for having me on. Um, the On the other hand, you know, we'd had a six day, a $6 three-day rally, um, a rally that took us, uh, you know, back above 50% retracement on the FIB cattle, that last leg down, took us through that, the steepest of the trend lines and closed okay yesterday. So I, I suppose a down day today after three updates maybe shouldn't be um, terribly alarming, but yeah, I would much have preferred um, uh, that we'd follow through. Now, it, you know, you know, if we're going to talk a little bit of chart stuff, um, I think there's a real key area. Uh, on Feb cattle up in this 175.40 slot. If you remember, that's where we basically broke hard from uh, coming off of that uh, cattle and feed report that that was pretty underwhelming. Uh, and then we had this last leg down that also happens to be 38% of this, you know, from the high of the move to the low of the move deal. So I, I'd like to see us correct back to that level at least. But yeah, that's $8 away, Michelle. That's quite a hike. Yeah. You should put into perspective, though, you and I have talked about how this break was bigger than uh, the break we saw after BSE. It was bigger than 9-11. I mean, this was pretty historical, wasn't it? Especially when you can't hang a uh, hang a moniker on it. You know, uh, you know, it wasn't the fire at Holcomb. It wasn't uh, September 11, like you said, or COVID even. 15% break in price or a little bit more than uh, is... Um, is at the outside parameter of what's normal. And then particularly when you talk about how many dollars per hundred we broke here, uh, you know, feeder cattle, just a casual little, what, $58 sell-off. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. Um, and then in that, in that uh, space of time. So um, yeah, we, we had a deal where there's such a fine line between too many and not enough between having leverage or not having leverage. Um, and as the kill rate slowed a little bit late summer and into fall, uh, that that maybe was part of the story, but I really think that the big thing is this weather has been so perfect. Uh, this performance on the cattle has been exceptional. Uh, there did you know hardly has been winter at all in any of the cattle belt. Um, typically, this is the week when when weights peak, uh, and I think that's awful. Also, you know, also tied to you know typically winter starts, right? Um, and at this point, there isn't a lot of winter. Uh, there is some stuff going to happen here in a couple of days down in the Plains and the Panhandle, Oklahoma and Texas. Um, we'll see if that pattern maybe starts to, 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 to change the perspective. 
but at this point, there doesn't seem to be anything real threatening here on the near here and now. No, in fact, we have record carcass weights, right? Record carcass weights, absolutely. Um, Year-to-date slaughter down 4.7%, but with the record carcass weights, total beef production not down as much as one would think. Yeah, certainly. The supply situation, though, the Catalan feed report placements number two reports ago kind of started this snowball. And do you anticipate next week's Catalan feed report may show a reverse in that trend? I thought, yes, I think that's a good observation. And I thought the nuance of the market the last two days and talking about the futures market would would say that there's others thinking like us. Um, you know, for instance, today, next December, cattle down 47, while uh, April cattle were down $1.45. So there seems to be some interest. Um, and I, I get it. I'm a trader. You know, sometimes you go like, well, we just broke $35. It's the middle middle of December. You know, I mean, do I want to be bearish here? Not really. Uh, does it feel like the market's ready to turn, you know, in the next here and now in the next day or two? No, not really. Well, let's go back there and, and let's trade the uh, lowest cow herd in 60 years, et cetera. Uh, I, I think, you know, from some of the early um, talk that I talked to with other fundamental friends of mine, you know, to see a placement number uh, on the 22nd down four to maybe even as much as 7% um, wouldn't surprise us. Um, and let, let's be realistic. We, I think we moved placements early. We didn't create more cattle. They, right. they placed earlier, mostly, I believe, because the guy that was selling these feeder cattle loved the price. And why wouldn't they? I mean, uh, as high as they were. So that either, either our cow herd numbers are way off, Michelle, or we have to go through not just one month of lighter placements, but maybe a couple, three, four of them. So yeah, there's some, I think there's some of the long-term of the, the traders that are saying, well, you know, maybe we get behind this thing. We still got to be a little bit friendly out there a year or so. The other thing that precipitated this though, Brad, was fund liquidation. I mean, from the contract highs to the contract lows in live cattle, we broke $35. I think we broke $60 from high to low in the Jan feeders. Would that have happened if you wouldn't have had the funds all heading for the door at the same time? Not at all. I I think you're absolutely correct that uh, the fund, uh, the the participating by the funds has has changed it from the good old days. Um, And, you know, if, if your listeners here, remember 2015, that's when the pit closed. You remember that wreck that we had in 2015? Um, the nature and the, and the, 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 I don't know, the swag in the market changed. And, uh, and it isn't just these funds that carry positions. I, I've got a little bit of an ax to grind with the HFT, high frequency trader, the algorithms that are, are, that are built to um, exploit a strong word, but but to, to, to exploit high volatile markets. Uh, if you think about it, if you're a cattle producer, every morning when the market opens, you're a potential seller, right? Because you're long inventory. Uh, you get the market to start to gush like this one has done. You know, you, you, you potentially freak out, panic, do some selling. Um, and, and, and I really think that those, those uh, quick trading algo HFT type trades, I, I think really prey in that kind of a market, in my opinion. Now, this was a cash-led rally when we got up to the record highs. You say we have lost leverage. When do we regain that as far as producers? We've got to work through this weight deal. Uh, this is a real thing. Uh, when, you're, when you don't have the ability to say no, and when you have a system that allows a packer to get bought out two, three, four, five weeks, um, it, it's difficult now. I say that, but you know, I, I referenced 2015, and, and and I think everybody that fed through 15 and 16, you know, we can all share and show each other our scars, right? 
we got backlog there to the fairly well of what took us you know months and months and months maybe over a year to right. do i would like to think that up until four to six weeks ago around here in the north we were as current as we had ever been uh mostly because we love the price um so i don't think you know two things can happen either we increase kill which i'm hearing Okay. Okay. So that we work through some of these numbers. I know that there's going to be significant uptick in the Saturday kill from what I'm told. Right. Or we have winter. You know, that would be the other thing. Slow these gains down and get us a little more current, get us a little leverage. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Brad Cuema with Cuema Cuema Varlake. Uh, Tomorrow we will have Senator Chuck Grassley on on AgriTalk AM. And for Chip Flory, I'm Michelle Rupp. Thanks for joining us. 